Yeah, I don't know if you noticed in in After Dark, I took a drink from the wrong glass, and it was like orange that I'd left here for like two days ago, and I was like, oh, "Put that over there." Oh god! It was when you like tried to get me to talk about the restaurant, and I was like, "This is fucking foul." <laughs> I couldn't say a word because we were like right in the middle of the recording, and I was like, "Oh, this is awful." Is it's like flat Fanta that's gone like a little bit mad. <laughs> What's up, Internet? You're tuned in to episode 131 of the Potscast. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, joined, as always, by my very good friend, Mr. Stephen Radford. Hello. Steve, no more E3 debauchery this week. Well, you know what? A little bit of E3 debauchery this week. There's a little bit of leftover. It's basically, like, all E3, right? I mean, yeah, but, like, I I think, like, now we're in the afterglow, you know, yeah, like we've got a good what three weeks of respite before we've got the Anapana presentation. We've got EA yep. Play Live, probably some PlayStation stuff if Jeff Grubb is to be relieved, which that man always is. Oh yeah. So there's still some stuff coming up. Yeah the the Summer Games Fest is certainly not over. The Summer Games mess is certainly not over. But E3 is done, and this week, of course, we're going to be checking in on our our little wager. Steve, mm. uh, we did our E3 predictions two episodes yeah. ago. Uh, we will be checking in on those and crowning a victor. Um, you know, we won't we won't talk about that until then. Uh, and of course, before that though, we've we've got we've got plenty of show before that. We've got a bunch of uh, listener mail. That again, if you want to get your questions right on the air, just like they did in our mail pot segment, you can head over and send me an email at pete at lupots.com or join our Discord and head over to the Pots Cash channel. And uh, we've got a ton of them this week because we've been saving them uh, the last two weeks. And we have a bunch of thoughts on, from everybody on E3. So we got plenty there. We have the Xbox Game Showcase Extended, which had some surprisingly uh, pretty big announcements, some of which I'm kind of surprised that they didn't show off at the actual showcase. Right. But. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's bizarre. It's, it is, I guess they ran out of time. I guess so, right? Uh, now they got to put all Bethesda stuff in there, too. You know, you only get so much time, right? Um, but surprisingly, uh, a pretty strong event, so we'll have some stuff to talk about there. And then we also got um, the first trailer for Pokemon Unite, which is that Pokemon MOBA uh, that was revealed a while back. So we'll, we'll have some thoughts on that. And of course, as promised, I've got my first impressions of Ratchet & Clank rift apart um yeah so jam-packed show uh so before we jump into that of course i'll remind you where you can find us all over the web if this is your first time joining us of course we are the pot the pots cast excuse me jesus christ 131 episodes don't think i've ever made that mistake um but you can find us wherever you get your podcasts every monday morning and uh we are here to talk about video games of course and uh you know what we all the stuff going on in the world of the news what we're playing uh, reading some great questions from you guys in our MailPod segment. All kinds of good stuff. And, uh, of course, if you want to be a part of the show, you can write into the show, like I just said. Uh, if you want to get a little bit more of the show, you can head over to patreon.com slash lootpods, where for just a buck you can get access to After Dark. And uh, you can see that incredible moment that Steve described in our cold open uh, unfold live before your eyes. Uh, so go, if, if I want to go back and watch it myself and see if I made a face. I genuinely couldn't believe I made the mistake, <laughs> and I couldn't concentrate on what the fuck you were saying for that one though, and I was like, I really don't know what's just happened. 
it, it's it was something to behold. So uh, go, go check that out um, and uh, a bunch of other great conversations that you can get access to for just a buck if you want to. Uh, if you want to get some more free content from us, of course, you can head over to twitch.tv slash where most Thursdays, I usually say every Thursday, but we've been we've been inconsistent during E3 season here. Uh, but on Thursday night, Steve and I come together and we play a game for your enjoyment. Uh, so if you want to come be a part of that um, come check us out Thursday nights, uh, 6.30 Eastern, and uh, we will be there playing some games for your enjoyment. Um, so, let's jump into it. Uh, I am really excited to talk about what we're playing this week because, of course, as I said, I've been playing a bit of Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart. I've been playing it for what feels like a while now, but I guess it's only been like a week or so. Um, only been a week, and during that time, you told me you went to play basketball for the first time on last week's. Like, not play, hour. watch. Not play, watch basketball. So you didn't play it on like the actual day you got the game. I did. And then, I uh, started it the day that I got the game, <laughs> but not as much as you wanted to. No, not nearly as much. And then we had like E three and recorded a million episodes and had so much planning and shows to watch and things like that. So I can imagine you're not as far as you wanted to be. No, I'm definitely not as far as I wanted to be or as far as I think I thought I would be at this point um, because it definitely hasn't I haven't had that opportunity to really dig in and play the game that I like to play the way I like to play games where I can just sit and play it for a couple of hours and like not you know interact with anything else and not have to be you know having my attention divided I've definitely been playing it more in like chunks um, but I actually think that the game lends itself to either of those kinds of play sessions because I've had one long proper play session with it and then a bunch of like two to three hour play sessions. And I always feel like it's easy to um, feel like you're achieving something because the game naturally has like, you know, kind of like checkpoints as you complete objectives. It's very linear. Does it does it tie into the like PS5's weird like activity system where it's like... You can hop in and do this specific thing. Do you remember they showed when they oh. showed off the UI? Um, Is there any of that there? Like, can you jump in? Like, if I just wanted a quick 10-minute play session, could I go in and it would tell me that? That might be the case, like, late game. But where I'm at right now, the game is very linear, and I don't, I don't think that would make sense. It's very much like... I, I get the impression that there will be a point where the game's opened up a little bit more, and I'm able to, like, go back and... Because, like, I'm on a planet right now, for example, right, where... Um, there's like a battle arena and I completed the bronze challenge, but the silver and gold challenges are still locked. Right. So I, I assume okay. I'm going to come back here at some point, have access to those and be able to do go back to other planets and, and kind of have some free time. But right now, at least with the pace of the story, it's been very like, you know, okay, go here, do this. Once that's done, we're put into the next uh, okay. event. We're put into the so next. So it's event. not like a, like a Mario 3d game way there's like an overworld or you know a way to get to all the various different levels and you just go and do it as you want no it's it's definitely more like a last of us where okay. like you are playing to an objective and generally that objective you know is uh rewarded by a cutscene that advances the story okay i mean that's fine if that's the style of game yeah, it's and, just not what I expected from from it. I guess that's what Ratchet and Clank's always been. Yeah, that's that's kind of always been the been the the way that Ratchet and Clank plays. And you know, I think um, for what it's worth, I guess I didn't even get to this part of it. I love the game. Um, I'm having a great time with it. Um, I, you know, so 
the thing that I think I'm most impressed by is I remember playing Ratchet and Clank 2016 back in the day um, when it dropped on PS4 and, and having that feeling of like, wow, I can't believe how good this looks. Like, I feel like I'm like playing like a Pixar movie, you know? Um, and to compare this to that, you know, I, and I'll probably say this again in another five or ten years or whatever when I'm playing the next one on PS6 or what have you. Um, but it is such a difference with the the power of the PlayStation 5 because of how seamless, you know, like the load is, how seamless the the game transitions from I'm in a cutscene and then I don't even realize I have control of my character again right away because it's so like... Yeah. Like the way that like the, what, that it was with like God of War, you know, where it's like you go right from the scene into the action and it, and it doesn't feel like this like hard cut. Oh, here's a cut scene. OK, now you're back to gameplay. It doesn't have that like jerkiness to it. Right. Like it has no, a, like fade to black and then, you know, you're seeing like a character rendered a little bit differently and then you come back to it. It's all very fluid. Right. Right. Um, I like that. And, and the moments that you do have those kinds of transitions, they feel cinematic. So it's not a thing that you clock mm-hmm. as being like, oh, this is a video game loading, right? It's like, this is a natural cut in the story. So uh, in that regard, like, I, I genuinely think this is maybe one of the best looking games I've ever seen. Like, it's it's really impressive. Just the amount of detail that is present in the world Um I think any any time I've been just standing in an area, right, where it's like you're just idle in like a you know a city or in a level or something, there's always something going on in the background. There's there's a ton of NPCs that are sitting around, you know, populating the world and making it feel lived in. There's all of this environmental dialogue, a lot of which is very funny and and really adds a lot of character to the world. Um, you know, there are like you, there's a city that you you play in that we we all saw in the um, the trailer and the original gameplay reveal. And like, if you just stand and look, you'll see there's like dozens and dozens of ships flying overhead and like traffic in the city and like all these things that like you know you were kind of left often to fill in the blanks for yourself, right? There's a couple people on the streets. There's a couple of this around, you know, but it it never quite feels like a world that's, you know, um, as detailed as I guess you want it to be sometimes, you know? I feel like a, a yeah, lot often, of games feel I that think way. In, I think often in games, it doesn't feel like it's a world that's lived in, does it? It's like, uh, say you're playing something like a Grand Theft Auto and you're meant to be in, say, a fictional New York. Those roads should be crammed full of cars and those streets should be full of people on the street. But just because of technology restrictions, it just wasn't something that was feasible. I'm glad we're finally at that point where we can have all of that stuff popping off because it can load those assets in so quickly from the SSD that we can just have it running. It goes across the screen, loads out of memory and, you know, they've got that, that bandwidth back. So it's it's nice to see. Like I had this uh, combat moment where I was just in, I was so impressed by how much was on screen and how chaotic it was, and that there was no frame drops. So like I had a moment right where I am I have just uh, completed an objective right, and a bunch of portals open and a bunch of bad guys come out and start attacking me, and. There's anywhere from like five to ten enemies on screen at any given time, all of which who are uh, 
like talking and moving in different ways and some have different weapons, some are flying, some are on the ground and there are already probably I want to say 15, 10 to 15, maybe a little bit more NPCs on the top of this building that I'm at. I'm at like a spa, right? And, you know, all of those characters are dynamically reacting to the combat and not in these like super impressive ways, but like in a way that is detailed and feels authentic, right? Where like you start fighting and if there's a bad guy in a corner and I run over and knock him and they're, they're NPC standing there, they run away and they go and hide in a different corner, you oh, know? And like, and then when you stop fighting, like they have dialogue about how you were fighting and like, Oh my God, even here, like we, you know, we can't, we can't be safe anywhere. And like, you know, and then they go back to what they were doing or whatever. And like, that's fun yeah i mean that's something i've always loved about like the hitman games how they everyone's always got something quippy to say yeah and and it's often stuff you've never heard before i think hades was the same as well but you never heard like a repeated line of dialogue it was always something fresh and cool and it reminds me i i don't know if you remember in, in press reset i'm reading it still at the moment um, how one developer she took it upon herself to basically craft like the NPCs in Bioshock Infinite, and like one of the things was making it more realistic when you walk by them that they would look at you and things like that. And the fact that we can now have it where like little micro reactions happen, yeah, where they like look or they run away or they scream or something happens. Maybe when the fight escalates, they do something different. It's really really cool. And like. You know, I definitely don't want to oversell it because I have heard repeats in some of the dialogue mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like, it's definitely not um, – it's it's not, I think, like the craziest level of depth, but it, it's small touches like that that really make the world feel alive. And, you know, um, I think I think Insomniac is really good in general, but especially in this game at going the extra mile. For little details, you know, they can and, and I love the fact that they do that without crunching once. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I look at this game and and oh, and I forgot to mention right during that fight, I'm also using that power where you can just warp across the map, and it's like it's insane that it loads that quickly and that well, and that like there's been no hitches so far. You know, I haven't had any. Uh, um, slow down or anything like that. Like I haven't encountered a glitch here, or there, or whatever. Like I, 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 I jumped into a platform at a weird angle and got stuck. Stuff like that, you know. Um, regular kind of stuff that you experience in any video game. But like, you know, um, the general just game, game, moment to moment gameplay stuff, right? I'm, I haven't experienced any frame rate drops at all, even when I have ray tracing on and and all this stuff. Um, the 60 FPS ray tracing mode, that is the way to play the game. It looks and runs really great. So you're playing with 60 ray tracing? Because I know there's 120 frames a second mode on this. Have you tried that at all? I haven't tried that. I probably should because my, my, um, my television does support it. So mm-hmm. Maybe I, I am I and I don't that know turns, it. <laughs> that turns off ray tracing there. Oh, so that's in the... Is it the? It's like it's like one of the performance settings. Okay. You can do 120 frames a second without ray tracing, 60 with ray tracing, or I think just 60 with no ray tracing as well. There's the they have like the um it's 4K ray tracing but it's 30. Ah uh, yeah. That's the other mode. 
and it's like all of the bells and whistles visually. But to me, I think you you want the performance. You know, you want. What's that the 60. default? Is the is the default sixty? No, the default's the the graphics first mode. Wow. Okay. Yeah, but it asks you to set it before you start playing. So that's good. Yeah, that's that's how the Last of Us Two did it, right? It's like, how do you want to play? Also, similar to the Last of Us uh, Part Two, this game has a lot of really, really uh, good accessibility options, um, which is cool. I feel like that's uh, that's seemingly a mandate from Sony's first party. It seems that way now. Yeah, and I, and I'm glad to see. It. I hope. I really hope that comes to other platform holders like specifically nintendo they're it's really bad about it their history with accessibility is terrible like not being able to turn motion control off not being able to turn vibration off in some things like think about mario odyssey there's some moons you can't get without using motion control they had that one accessibility option for like showing where something is if it's vibrating mm-hmm. but but there were still some moons you just you couldn't do if you didn't have the mobility. And it's how long did it take them to do button remapping? It was such a massive thing that was missing for, yeah. for years. Right, and you you see the strides that PlayStation is making here, and like mm-hmm. I, I I hope that the not even just like the platform holders and publishers, but I hope just like the the you know the whole community of of game development kind of catches up to that as uh, as something that's important, you know, um, because. You've seen like what The Last of Us Part Two did, and I think they really set a standard there, where it's like, you know, everybody could do this, and may- maybe not everybody. Maybe that's not fair to say about like you know, um, the indie devs of the world that have a more limited budget. But you know, major publishers should not be able to get away with not providing those those options. You know. Yeah, definitely. I also kind of feel it should be something that's that's baked in by like the engine creators as well. Like Unreal and Unity should be adding features in to make accessibility more easier for people to create. Yeah. Um, putting some of those features in, like, you know, being able to highlight specific enemies in red, things like that. Hopefully that's something that you'll see with Unreal Engine 5 as it develops yeah. because I think it's it's becoming more and more part of the conversation, you know? So we're bringing it back to Ratchet & Clank. One thing I'm really curious about is how does this work with DualSense? Are you getting much of that sensation you got with Astro's Playroom where you got to play with both the adaptive triggers, the the like HD Rumble Extreme or whatever they call it? It's really good. Um, I, I know there was kind of a mixed reaction to how Insomniac used it in Miles Morales and the Spider-Man remaster where like it was very subtle and some mm-hmm. people liked that it was subtle and other people felt like it was like, oh, see, people are already not taking advantage of it. I think Ratchet and Clank, um, they have a, they have a really, really, really good handle on how to use it here because the most active usage of it is um, with the weapons. So like a lot of the weapons, almost all of the weapons, take advantage of the adaptive trigger to give uh, multiple functions. Like there is like one gun, for example, right? Um, that's like a big laser cannon, right? And if you fully pull the trigger down, the right trigger to fire, uh, it'll just auto-fire it. If you if you hold it half of the way down before you click it, uh, you can charge it and, like, have it charged up and aim the shot and then fire. So, okay, like, that, so that adds that, an element of strategy. Of it, they're kind of using it like the uh, the GameCube 
controller where it's got those two settings you know for yeah. like f for like flood it would be like you know you press and hold or you can push it all the way down yes. and it would do that like further shoot and then there's like similarly like the pistol that they give you if you half push it it's just a single shot if you hold it it'll like auto fire but the longer it fires it gets unstable and it starts going in a circle <laughs> okay that's cool um there's like a shotgun weapon if you press it once you only fire one of the barrels and you can kind of like quick fire with it a little bit. If you press both of them down, it shoots both of them and you can get two shots in at once. Um, so there's like a lot of things like that, uh, that it, that it really gives, it, it kind of gives more strategy to each of the weapons, which I really like. And then they also do the kind of dynamic, um, like what's the word I'm looking for, I guess, just like, like the atmospheric rumble almost. Like you saw, yeah. In so like when you're walking on surfaces and things, yeah. Like you feel the character's footsteps, and it's like if you're on metal, it's like clink, 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 and if it's on sand, it's like bud, 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 bud. You know, and like that's cool. Little things like that, or like uh, if if like a ship flies over you and it's low enough, like you'll feel the wind go over you, and you'll feel like a you know a little bit of a rumble for that, like that kind of thing. And um, so I, I know you play multiple characters in this game, right? Yes. I'm sure they showed that off. Do they feel different when you play them, or are you yeah. not at that point where you've switched characters yet? I have, and they're identical. Um, okay. Because I think that would have been a cool touch, right? To make it feel like, you know, one's a little bit lighter or yeah. a little bit different in the way they move. And they're... No spoilers, but I think there's an explanation for why that is that they've already hinted <laughs> at. So I I remember originally I was kind of like... I had a moment where I was like, oh, they have all the same weapons and like like what's that about? Like like shouldn't yeah, they shouldn't the they both have the same, yeah. yeah, like shouldn't they have a different playstyle or whatever? And then there were two different comments that were made in story context that were like, well, here's why this happened and here's I have a, you know, there's there's this other theory that one a character presented um that would explain why they were similar. Um so without giving that away it's not really much of a spoiler but it's enough of one that like I, if somebody wants to go in totally blind yeah i, yeah, I don't want to yeah. yeah but um for me it, it definitely felt like a okay that's like a convenient explanation for why they play the same and you don't have to like make two different move sets for two different characters however i it was enough of a reason that i'm like all right whatever fine because I like the gameplay enough, and there's so much variety in the gameplay because there are so many weapons that you can use. I almost feel like if I was limited to what I was using based on which character I was playing, I would be disappointed that I wasn't able to use certain Your weapons. Favorite or whatever. Yeah. Right, exactly. So I think ultimately giving both characters all of the options was probably the right move. Do you feel like you're sticking to one specific weapon or playstyle all the time? Or are you finding that you have to adapt for different enemies and different situations? Like I, I always find in some games, I'll always stick with one thing. Like say, it's, say I like a shotgun and I'll stick with a shotgun all the time if I can and that's presented to me. But there are some games where like enemies can't be shot with certain things. Like for example, in Tomb Raider, I might need to, you know... Uh, attack them with the axe rather than having to shoot them with the arrows so i think that um i definitely think it's a it's a balance of those two things 
I think it definitely does a good job of encouraging you to use multiple guns. Um, there, you can have eight on your wheel at any given time. I think there's like sixteen total. Okay, so, so that's quite a lot. Yeah, so I think I think naturally you are going to pick. You're going to find the ones that you like and that you gravitate toward, and those are going to be the ones that fill up your wheel. Um, but there's a really cool upgrade system throughout the game where like you are, you find this thing called raritanium and there's like an upgrade tree for each gun or each weapon, I should say. And I am now like, Oh, I want to max out the level of everyone. And I want to, you know, get all the different upgrades because as you upgrade them, they get new abilities and like new different, like kind of side effects and stuff like that. So like I had a bomb, uh, right that I was using in the beginning and like you can either just like toss it or you can aim it and throw it farther um but once you max it out like I did then it shatters so it'll leave these like sticks on sticky things on the ground and that does damage to other enemies that run through them so it's like it gives you more an AoE effects so there's like certain things that's like I don't actually even know what this gun might do in the long run so I'm you I feel encouraged to try them all out and experiment yeah. and upgrade them and and see what they'll be able to do long term and I think that um the the question you asked about the different enemy types that's common like I said that like um there's this like group of mercs that are like following you around and a bunch of them are just grunts on the ground with guns and then they have some with jetpacks like the ones with the jetpacks for example you can't really hit with the shotgun unless they come right up to you whereas if you use the pistol you could shoot them from across the map you know um and then there are like some uh there are like crowd control things like there's a, a weapon that will like you drop it and it's a sprinkler and if any enemy comes in the vicinity of it they get covered in in a bush and they can't move for a minute uh, go. and there's like an uh, uh, an ally weapon where you can summon this like mushroom guy who will like fight alongside you it's like Mr. Zircon from the old games if you've played those um, so there's like a lot of different kinds of weapons and like they interact in unique ways and like you can kind of get the strategy for like okay well I have all these guys attacking me right so I'm gonna want to lock this group down with this weapon and then I'll throw a bomb and take out those little light enemies because I know one bomb will kill all of them and then there's a big boss character so I'm gonna want to focus my attention on him now and do this you know and like there's a real rhythm to the battle and it gets super chaotic and you're you definitely have to switch your weapons a lot because you'll run out of ammo or you know you'll hit points where there's like a certain you know number of enemies surrounding you and you need to get some space and you know like i think you'll find a few that you'll probably lock into but i'm finding that i use every weapon in my wheel pretty much you know every time right i i deplete all the ammo for every weapon in every big fight okay so there is like limited ammo as well and it's not like a recharge system so it kind of does encourage you to switch yeah and you can, like, upgrade the capacity of your favorite weapons and stuff like that, you know, with those raritanium upgrades. So, yeah, I think I think the combat ends up feeling really varied. And, like, the new ability, like, the dash that they gave you really, like, makes the game a lot faster than Ratchet & Clank used to be. Um, now you have, like, a really cool dash that's also an attack, and it gives you a little bit more ability to dodge. It gives you ability to, like, rush in and use... Um, your wrench with the physical attacks like more aggressively rather than just waiting until a character comes up to you and just bopping them, you know, and then moving away so you can use another gun. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, like the the moment to moment gameplay is is really good, and I think it's done a pretty good job of setting up like big like Uncharted style moments that feel like these big epic beats in the story, you know. Um, and you're kind of engrossed by that, and then you have that moment where you're like, all right, I'm back in the action. Um, and there's these cool little mini game like puzzles um, that they have for both characters. Have like a sidekick who has puzzles, and those are like kind of how they break up the gameplay. But something I really like is that if you don't like them, they literally give you the option to just skip it. So, like, if you're not interested in that, if you're not a puzzle person, if you just want to get back to the action... So it's not like the Spider-Man situation with the lab stuff that I exactly, hated. Which I complained about because it was a pain in the ass. Um, hmm. So, yeah, they, they definitely, I think, locked down a good a good mix of story versus combat versus side things, you know? And there are, like, little, like, side objectives that you can engage with. I've, I've encountered, like, one or two of them. I kind of wish there were more. Um, I wish there were more side things to do just because I'm really enjoying playing the game. And I I get a sense that it will be over before I want it to be over. <laughs> yeah, but imagine your new game faucet. I probably and go will. back in, probably platinum it. Yeah, I think I'm going to go for the platinum. Um, because, yeah, just I think overall the game just has really just a strong presentation. And I think I really love that in the on the PlayStation Five in you know twenty twenty one the year of our Lord here uh, that uh, Sony is investing this kind of money in a a third person character platformer, you know, um, because you know we that we just don't get that kind of game really anymore. Um, well, we we do just only from Nintendo. Yeah, but I mean, how often, right? Like Mario yeah, Mario Odyssey was man. it's once a generation usually, right? And and like those games are great. Don't get me wrong, but I, I I'd like more of them, and I'd like more of them with like a different flavor, you know? Because Ratchet and Clank isn't like Mario, you know? Like it it, mm. it is very about dialogue and jokes and things that like you don't really get in a Mario game, you know? And it, it has it has a, a way different vibe. Um, and I just, I think it's tight that Insomniac has like stood by that franchise, like since they created it, it's pretty much, you know, it's longest period of dormancy was between Ratchet and Clank 2016 and this game, I think. Um, and I think that time away was well spent because you can see the lessons that they learned from Spider-Man and Miles Morales applied here. Um, and the game is a lot better for it. It's crazy to me how much that team outputs without crunching so we've got spider-man game miles morales and ratchet and clank within five years since they put out ratchet and clank 2016 they have they have multiple teams and i i think that they just they do a really good job of of rotating everybody around yeah really good management from that studio and it's like now you know like obviously they've had a great relationship with sony for years but like now that they're like in the Sony house and they're like the number two studio and they're stable, arguably, I guess, but you know, um, I would go with three behind who? Naughty Dog, Gorilla and Somniac. Here's my thing. You know, I love Gorilla. You know, I love Horizon. I feel like Gorilla is a new, like they're like the new darling studio because they just came out and had their, their big hit and now they're going to do their follow-up and like they've got heat right now. But Insomniac has two franchise fran- franchises like that that are running simultaneously and sell like crazy, you know? Like a hell of a lot more people played Spider-Man than Horizon, 
And you know, you all know how much yeah, I fucking I love know. Horizon. You I know? know, no shade. That's because it's got fucking Spider Man on the front of it. Yeah, know? I wonder right, how many. But it also fucking whips because there's been a lot of yeah. bad Spider Man games. Yeah, true. Like, don't get me wrong. That's that's a huge part of why. But like, yeah, and also Breath of the Wild, I think, was a part of the problem for Horizon. Sure, sure. But even so, I think that's worth bringing up because like. Spider-Man is unique among games of its ilk because it plays differently than any of those games, you know? And mm-hmm. and because its rhythm is... It's about the way that Spider-Man moves around, you know? Um, that's unique. That's a unique gameplay hook. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think Insomniac is... You know, if you want to argue that Gorilla or Sony Santa Monica are in that conversation, that's fine. The all, all four I of those mean, studios I fucking necessarily, rule. I don't necessarily want to rank Sony Studios. I think they will do a fantastic job. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the whole point, right? Is like Insomniac is on a tear right now. The fact that like in the last, uh, not even t- technically two years, but in the last six months, I've played two AAA quality games from them on PlayStation 5 is frankly unreal. I think they're going to be the only first party studio that's put PlayStation 5 games out in 2021 and 2020. Can you imagine? Because I don't think we're getting Horizon this year, and that's the only other first party title planned for 2021. If it plays out that way, that will A, be wild. Not wild, but like, it's crazy to think that like, they didn't own Insomniac until very recently. (laughs) And it's like, what what a great investment they made in that studio. Because Insomniac makes they they I I truly believe that they are one of the best uh, AAA development studios in the game right now. Like they make super creative, fun uh, games with great stories, great voice acting, mm-hmm. great music. Like and they don't crunch. And they like I don't know, man. I just I feel like they're fo- firing on all cylinders right now. Um, and it's like. I'm in the middle of their current game, their most recent game now, and I'm already like, what's next, baby? When's Spider-Man 2 coming? We get a spinoff from Ratchet? We get to get a Ratchet yeah. point five? Like, let's let's go. I don't even care. Whatever it is, give me it. Like, Well, I think it's wild coming out from E3 where Sony was missing. Obviously, we knew they were. And they were at the Summer Game Fest opening night, whatever the fuck it was called. Yeah, yeah. And, um... And there were some small things there, mainly indie stuff. They were at Day of the Devs, too. Yeah, and obviously we saw the uh, director's cut of um, Kojima's game, mm-hmm. Death Stranding. No release date on that. Don't know when that's coming out. Presumably it'll be 2022. It's wild to me that we have Microsoft's conference where we know we've got absolutely huge games coming out from them for the rest of the year. And they're all coming to Game Pass Day 1. That we've got Flight Simulator, we've got Forza Horizon 5. And yeah, they might not be my kind of game or your kind of game or whoever's kind of game, but they are big games and Forza mm-hmm. has always sold well and it is a massive franchise. And seemingly Sony has got a game coming from a Microsoft studio with Deathloop and um, they've got Kena Bridge of Spirits and then the only other thing they've really got planned is, is Horizon, which I think is going to get pushed to 2022. They're not looking in a strong situation, uh, a position at the moment. No, um, and I think I think you're probably right. There's probably a good chance Horizon slips into next year. Um, however, I think that 
similar to what happened with the PS4, I think that Sony can position themselves in a way where that doesn't matter. Because right now, you can't even get a PlayStation 5, right? Mm-hmm. People who already have one, have one. And there are people like me who love it and are getting a lot of use out of it. And then there are some folks who are like, all these games are getting delayed. Like, well, I don't even know why I bought this. Like, I, you know, and maybe they're not saying that right now because they're playing Ratchet and Clank if that's their their vibe. Um, but if it's not, you know, I could I could understand being frustrated that God of War and, and Horizon were promised for this year and they're seemingly not going to make it, right? Um, at least God of War isn't. And, you know, whatever, fair play. But you think back on the PlayStation 4, very similar trajectory, right? The the console launched. It had its, uh, had a, a bunch of exclusives uh, that came yeah, out. It had Knack 2, right? I don't mean necessarily at like launch, but, like, within the first year. You know what I mean, right? Yeah. Um, You had, like, you know, Infamous come out, um, or Infamous 2, whatever it was. Um, And, you know, you had a Last few. Last of Us Remaster came out not long after launch. Uncharted Collection, Uncharted mm-hmm. 4 came out, like, shortly after, you know. You had a few games that were coming out. And then you had kind of a quiet period, and then you had them all line up, and it was like, bam, 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 bam. And I think if this year they ride the rest of the wave on, yeah, we have exclusives. Like, we have Deathloop. Yeah, it's coming from Microsoft, but you can only play it on PlayStation 5. So it doesn't matter, right? That counts. You have, like, your Far Cry 6s. You have some of the third-party games that people are going to play on their PlayStation 5, and they'll enjoy, and they won't feel like they don't have something to play, even if it's quiet from Sony. And then next year is going to roll around, and you're going to have Horizon and God of War. And maybe the next year you have two more games that line up, right? Like, and I think if they can deliver one to two big games a year, that's all they need to do, you know? Um, and and maybe that won't be true in a couple of years when Microsoft stuff starts lining up and they're able to be like, well, we've got three big games a year. We've got four big games they, a year. They want four. They want one every quarter, quarter from a Microsoft studio. So that's four a year. Right, but you have to think, not all Microsoft Studio games are, are necessarily going to be, like, equal in the eyes of all players, right? Like, no shade. No, that, and that's true. But, like, if you've got then in three months' time, you know, like, next year we know Starfield's coming out next November. Even if that's the only game that comes out next that's year. That's huge. That's a massive game, and it's coming day one to Game Pass. That's a huge thing you've got lined up. But we already know, and they've already announced a bunch of others. You know, we've got Hellblade 2 coming up. We've got Avowed from Psychonauts Obsidian. is out this summer. Yep, Psychonauts 2, like I said, we've got Flight Sim coming out in July, literally a couple of weeks away. We've got Forza 5 coming out in November. There's a ton of stuff coming from Microsoft, and and their acquisitions of all of those studios are really starting to pay off for them, because it was at the point where last year everyone was like, why would I buy an Xbox? Halo, the only exclusive game, really has been now delayed, might even get delayed to 2022. It's like... Seemingly, that was an embarrassment for them that they had to delay that game, and and now it really feels like the tables have turned for them, and and it's, I'm really pleased to see it because uh, I, I'm happy, very happy as a Game Pass subscriber yeah. for everything that came out of E3. <laughs> I think I think ultimately what's going to happen, like if you you know gun to my head, like make your predictions right now of how this plays out, I think. There's a good chance that by the end of this year, there will be enough games on PlayStation 5 that I think most PlayStation gamers will be like, cool, whatever, like I feel satiated. But I think that if Xbox 
delivers and continues to deliver, I think a lot of those people that bought PS5s or that haven't gotten a next-gen console yet because they couldn't or they were expensive or they didn't feel like there was a game that was compelling to them might pick up an Xbox this this year in the same way that everybody was rushing to get a PlayStation last year. And I don't know that that's going to necessarily put them neck and neck. I don't know that that's necessarily going to put PlayStation like in danger. But I think you could really see us have a good old-fashioned competition again between the two where it is like the Xbox 360, PlayStation 3 generation where it's it's a lot more neck and neck. Um, because right now, like, regardless, I think, of how strong Xbox looked at E3, uh, PlayStation 5 is the hot item. It's it's mm-hmm. the one that people want. It's the one that casuals want. It's got the big game out right now. And going into the holiday season, if you, like most people, weren't able to get it, all those games that have already come out are all new to you. So I don't think you can make the argument that right now PlayStation doesn't have the better exclusive lineup when you're t- just comparing PS5 to Xbox Series X. No, it ab- but, absolutely does right now. But I think say end of next year it's gonna be a totally got... different fucking ball yeah. game totally and that yeah you're a hundred percent right about that between halo and starfield and the fact that like we know that these xbox games or uh, the bethesda games moving forward are going to be xbox games you know like we've we have a really clear roadmap for the next two three even five years of what are the big things you can pay attention to coming from xbox and I think Sony's going to hit a point where they might be struggling to keep up because their games, they, they take a long do. time. The sheer number of studios they've got, they know they can fill a slot at all times. Even if there's a delay, they've got something from another studio or an idea Xbox that they can just slot into there and have something ready to go and, and get out the door. And that was the thing with, with Xbox for the longest time, right? Was that, or with PlayStation for the longest time, was that they had the biggest stable of development studios. Um, and, and that was a huge kind of, you know, silver bullet uh, in their gun for, like, that they had all of these, you know, top-tier exclusive games. And now Xbox, you know, is, is in that conversation. Um, and that, you know, Sony's going to have to react to that. And that is a really exciting to me because I think that the best, most aggressive point in, in Sony's history is them coming off the PS3 and into the PS4 and how hungry they were to prove to you that they were the place to play. And then they rode that wave and we saw them get more corporate. We saw them get more buttoned up and like Xbox has been playing the Ah, oh, we're pro consumer. Ah, oh, we're we're the underdogs. Ah, oh, we're cool. We're this. We and now they're capitalizing on that. And if Xbox shows up the way that it looks like they're going to show up, on top of the fact that they're also making money hand over the hand over fist on the PC market long term, if their if their play works out, um, Sony's going to have to react. And a hungry, desperate Sony makes their best moves. So, I'm really excited to see how things play out in the next couple years especially because i have all the consoles and i think they're all doing Mm. stuff that i'm excited about so it's like yeah me too Uh, for us uh, it's win-win yeah yeah i mean i agree with you i think um 
uh, for all of its failings, capitalism does prove that if there is competition, the the competition will make you work harder uh, to to prove that you are the place to be and the the company to give you money to. Um, but speaking of like pro consumer moves that we saw from uh, Microsoft this week, like the announcement that. And it wasn't even at E3. It was like snuck out just before E3. Why the fuck and it was, was this like... not in their showcase? <laughs> I guess because they want you to buy an Xbox Series X. But but if they did, the why would they? Oh, go ahead. You announce it and then we'll debate. <laughs> but like the announcement that the Xbox Series X games are coming to Xbox One through cloud streaming. So through your Xbox One, if you've got Game Pass Ultimate, you'll be able to stream games like Flight Simulator or the new Halo at like 4K Ultimate settings. They're currently in the process of upgrading all of their cloud hardware to Xbox Series X hardware. So it will soon be able to stream things like Flight Sim. And this comes at the same time we had the announcement, which we spoke about, with um, where you can like try games uh, before you download them. You just stream them straight away. Well, we didn't realize at the time that you can actually stream Xbox Series X games to Xbox One, which Microsoft's now clarified. Which is wild. It's a, it's a wildly pro-consumer move. Really, it seem, seemingly has no benefit for them other than to it sells I mean, Game Pass. It sells Game Pass, and and it, and it is a positive PR headline. It, again, and makes, that's that's I think what they're looking for at the moment. It's like we want the most number of Game Pass subscriptions possible. Because that's what Microsoft really is at the end of the day, is they're a service company. You buy Microsoft Windows subscriptions. You buy Xbox Game Pass subscriptions. You buy Office subscriptions. That's all you it's all you buy from them is software, really. And they just happen to make some hardware so they can sell you more software. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, this is an awesome move, uh, frankly. I, I think this is uh, brilliant on their part because... I also think it's a good it's it not only sells Game Pass, it's a good advertisement for why you should get a Series X. Because the first time that cuz you're going to right cuz I I can imagine 100% the use case for this, right? You're okay, I'm I'm on the fence. I don't feel like I need a next gen console yet. I don't want to buy one yet or I don't have the money or whatever mm-hmm. and I'm going to play you know Starfield on on my Xbox One, you know? And I am 30, 40 hours into Starfield. I am deep obsessed with this game. And then my internet goes out. Fuck. (laughs) I can't play. Or that first time you're like, it's a really long load screen, huh? Fuck, maybe I should get a Series X. Mm -hmm. And then your internet goes out. And then you're like, "Ah, I'm getting it. And it's and then yeah, there's and a then... sale because it's because it's not brand new anymore. <laughs> you know, like, I I I feel like that that it creates a pipeline for you to buy the new hardware, even if you don't get it right away. Yeah, and that's the thing where they won. Like when they said, and they said that like when they announced the streaming stuff, how they said, "Don't worry if you buy our consoles, we're not stopping making consoles. If anything, we're accelerating it." And this goes back to that. Bloomberg article that we we spoke about must have been sometime last year about how um, Nintendo wanted to get into the mobile phone model. Microsoft clearly want to be in that model too, right? They're already doing the uh, all access stuff in two years' time because I'm on Xbox All Access. When my two two years is up um, next November, 
they're going to want something else to sell me, right? They're going to want to sell me an updated console that maybe is a little bit slimmer or has uh, a slightly little bit more storage inside. So maybe it's two terabytes instead of one terabyte. Stuff like that. I think you're I think you're totally right. And I also think uh this is another piece of news that didn't come out at E3 but was in the last like week or so. Um they have the plan of bringing Game Pass to TVs, which is something that you know mm-hmm. a lot of people have been theorizing for a long time. I have seen uh, Gary Witta has said that a ton and you know it's something that like I've definitely been thinking was going to happen sooner or later. And you'll see. Yeah, well, and they're not. They're, they're actually behind Sony on this because you can play PlayStation Now on Sony TVs. And granted, that's not like current gen games. It's like what PS3, some PS4 games. There's some on there. PS4 games, yeah. Um, but it's not like PS5 games on your TV, which is what this would be. Right, right. And the idea that you could, you know, uh, in a couple years' time, see like, oh. You know, like when you buy like your new Samsung TV and it has like the Netflix, Hulu, whatever logos on it, and it'll have the Xbox logo. And like you buy an Xbox controller and you're in. And then yeah, it'll. That, that would be so cool. Can you imagine? I mean, I can't imagine it's happening. And that's another huge opportunity for them to get people in the Game Pass ecosystem, you know, and be like, wherever you want to play your TV, your mobile, your. Yeah, you'll try it out when there's that little button that you can't fucking remove on your remote control and like maybe your your maybe your tv comes with like a free month of game pass you know yeah it definitely does <laughs> or or they start giving you actually i think they already do this where they give you a free month of game pass when you buy a controller oh i think maybe you get your controller from the, the new xbox design lab which they announced is coming back pete steve what a segue so xbox game showcase extended happened today as of this recording and uh a couple big pieces of news to come out of it but i think head and shoulders the biggest piece of news is the return of the xbox design lab which i personally extremely excited about um have, have you ever made one before steve i haven't made one for myself but i bought one for my uh brother's fiance as okay. a Christmas present once, and uh, painstakingly crafted one based on her favorite colors and things, and she loved it. I'm absolutely getting one for myself. I've designed one for myself before, and I called it a donut controller. It was like bright pink with like yellow bumpers and buttons. It looked nice. really cool. Uh, I loved it. And, I, am... uh, I I absolutely want to make make one, and I just can't decide what if I want to put some etching on it or not. Mm. Some someone on Twitter I follow. Um, he's been making a bunch of Pokemon in them, and it's been putting like uh, it's like using the Pokemon colors, and it's putting like hash two 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 for like the the number of whichever Pokemon it is. So it's like it was like a Pikachu, it was like yellow and black with like you know red face buttons and things like that, and like doing the uh, the the uh, number for uh, the Pokemon. That's a super cute idea. Um, uh, a friend of mine was was making a bunch of different um. Uh, like different like pride like versions like like the trans pride flag like the non-binary flag um you have so many options there's so many color choices it's insane yeah i mean it's it's so cool like the example one of the ones i think they sent to the press was like an original it looked like an xbox 360 controller where you had like the light gray stick and the the light gray buttons but one of the sticks was darker and then you had like the the color face buttons from like the xbox 360 part of me wants era. to make that 
looked so good, didn't it? I think the biggest thing it. for me is going to be like only making one because I want more than yeah. one. Because I know, like, I was uh, definitely um, I I have one uh, from the previous. Uh, set of design labs and i bought it to use on my, my pc when i was uh, still a pretty active pc gamer um but i never really got a ton of use out of it you know like i would use it like i used it for a few different games that i played through on pc that were like single player things but most of the time i play my single player games on you know i was playing them on my ps4 at the time um yeah and i'm so glad i didn't buy that red controller when they put it out because i was like ah, i'm gonna wait for design labs but right. I, um, I, yeah, me too. Because it's the same price as well, which is what's wild. Yeah, it's like, are you kidding me? Why would I ever buy a regular one? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it now. I want, I want deep pink. Deep pink's the way to go. Lightning yellow bumpers and triggers. It's your donut oh, controller. Know, is it. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm gonna do it. Or maybe I'll wait and see if someone buys it for me for Christmas. Because you can give these as gift cards to people for Christmas. And then they can go on and like put the code in and design them. And it's so such an awesome present to give someone. That is awesome. Why don't they have a link? To- I'm trying to pull it up. Here we go. It's xboxdesignlab.xbox.com. Which is great. But they have a blog post where they're like, Design Lab is back. And there's not a link <laughs> to it there. And I'm like, what are you doing? How weak is your SEO game? Um, they, they probably don't want to fight for it. You know. That's crazy to me. But anyway. Uh, it's, so, it's so cool. You can like, yeah, you can customize literally everything. Like the thumbsticks. There's one. You have so much six. more control this time around six different button types like you can do black text on color buttons which is what the original Xbox 360 looks like you know you used to have like bright green and the whole button was green rather than it sort of just being like green text and you know i literally can't pull it up right now and i'm pretty sure it's because everybody's on this thing it was slammed yeah it's crashing (laughs) all right i guess i'll do this tomorrow but anyway yeah they made they probably made hundreds of thousands of dollars today yeah I mean, absolutely, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I am. I'm. I'm real stoked uh, for this. I am. I'm really, really excited to to make at least one of these. Um, probably more than that because I'm a crazy person. But... You've got to do what my dad does when he wants something, which is he pretends it's a gift for my mum. And so he'll buy it, and he'll be like, I got you this, you know. Like, he got into baking, so he bought my mom a stand mixer. It's like, well, I know you like baking cakes. It's like, no, that's, cle- that's clearly for you, Dad. You bought that KitchenAid because you wanted it. The thing is, my mom. the problem with that is the only console Sarah won't touch is the Xbox. So if I make her a design lab controller, she Are you kidding? She's not going to play Elder Scrolls Six when that comes out on She Xbox? is, but she's going to play it on PC. What? That's madness. I know, she's a PC gamer. Or she used to be anyway. Does she just hate Bill Gates? Someone else? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Like before, she got the Switch. She really didn't. She didn't mess around with consoles much. Um, oh, that's funny. So she's played like a few things on PlayStation, but like not really. Like she doesn't really ever commit to anything on PlayStation, um, except for Astro's Playroom, which which she really got into randomly uh, when she was like between games. So yeah, I don't I don't think that that I don't think that'll work out. I think I'm just going to just going to have to own it. <laughs> or 
or ask other people to get them for me. <laughs> yeah, just got the just got the gift cards. Just I think that's just what keep we'll, asking for the gift cards. That's what we'll do. We'll both make our own, and then we both buy one for the other. <laughs> okay, I'm just gonna buy one from Macaulay. <laughs> I could justify it, but we have way too many controllers anyway. Like I, I still have the Minecraft ones lying around. Uh, Macaulay's got like a bunch of like because we ha we had three Xboxes at one point. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, that's wild. This is what happens when someone with an Xbox moves in with someone else with an Xbox. Should have just sold one of them while they were still worth something. I I did sell one. Oh, okay, yeah. and you just kept gun. the controller. My one S gun. I've got the like the fat original like the duke xbox. that's that's my streaming like xbox oh okay i thought you meant the I, have original got a, controller. I have got a fat duke because of my parents it's the the translucent green halo oh, edition that one was so sweet what a yeah. classic ass console that's so 2000 <laughs> love it uh so there's a couple other announcements here we got a behind the scene look at hellblade 2 and uh got the reveal that um epic games is partnering with ninja theory uh for the second one which is interesting yeah apparently they're helping making the models it's being filmed i think they said in iceland at the moment that they're, they're doing like some scanning of models and 3d assets and things and epic games is helping them so i presume that means it's probably in an alpha build of unreal engine 5 i bet yeah um so this one's probably a ways out, but it's it's interesting. If that's the case, and they're scanning in real scenery in Iceland, this is going to look very, very hot indeed. I know, I can't wait. Uh, makes me really want to double back and play the original, because I, I never got around to it. No, me neither. And I know you're meant to play with headphones, aren't you? Yeah. I'm going to play it with my 3D audio headphones uh, for the, the, the PS5. Oh, that's going to be good. Yeah, it's going to be cool. Uh, and then we got the news that uh, Plague Tale Innocence is, uh, I'm sorry, the Plague Tale Innocence Series X slash S upgrade is coming on July 6th. So that's the original Plague Tale, uh, and it's getting its, you know, Xbox. So weird that it was announced here and not right next to the other Plague Tale. Again, right? They why? had it at E3. It's why? like, why did you move it to this showcase? Super weird, but good news. Um, I... I I pointed out, I think, on our last podcast, like, I had thought that was a VR game or something, and, like, I had never played it, even though I, it sounded interesting. So now that's got an upgrade, maybe I'll check it out. Because it's on Game Pass, right? Yeah, it's really, really good. Yeah, it's on Game Pass. There we go. Uh, and then we got the announcement of Flight Sim having 20 tutorials on Xbox compared to the eight that were on PC, um, and a reveal of how the new Land Anywhere feature works. So you'll be able to, like, land on sea, you can land on snow... Um, which is really cool. And um, Steve, you had explained... You can land in the Hudson. That's where I'm going to try landing. Yeah. <laughs> right in the Hudson River. <laughs> you'll I'm have to go Captain Sally style. You'll have to take a video of how that works out for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that could be really problematic. No, I'm not going to try that. <laughs> I can end up crashing into a building. <laughs> that I don't mean to do. <laughs> yeah, that might not be great. Um... But yeah, they explained that the, the tutorials were there because obviously people, the franchise has a lineage on PC where it hasn't been on console before. So they, they thought it would be good to uh, to provide some additional explanations, which I thought you was, pretty, was mad. It's pretty funny. Like, this is Microsoft's longest running software franchise. Yeah. Period. Like, not even just video games. Like, this is older than fucking Microsoft Office. It's been going since MS-DOS. 
It's crazy. That's really crazy when you think about it. Yeah. It's been so yeah. long since the last one. I can't believe they finally made another one. Yeah, this seemingly is is the best of the best though. And they just keep adding to it. Like there's the new um Nordic countries update, so you can like fly over Norway and sw- Sweden and places like that. They weren't included before? No, they they just keep adding new ones. Like the UK wasn't on there for a while. There's, they're just slowly adding the whole world essentially. <laughs> That's great. I love that. Uh, and then we got um, some gameplay uh, reveals from Sea of Thieves, A Pirate's Life. Uh, there was a deep dive on the Halo multiplayer the other day, and then they talked about how there's a beta coming in the summer, which you know your boy is going to try to get a uh, code for that. I'm trying to get in on that. Hell yeah. If you want to get in on that, you need to sign up the Xbox Insider app, because I'm, and I wanted you to do it anyway, because I'm in on the Dark Alliance beta. And okay. I really want to play it with you. Xbox, um, what is it? Xbox Insider. Insider. But Pro- program? Yeah, we, can't, we can't stream the Docker Lance Bay, unfortunately. Okay. Or even talk about it. Uh, oh, so. Okay. I found it. The Xbox Insider program. Okay. I'm going to join this. Um, yeah. Do it. You can get beta versions of the Xbox software as well. Let's fucking go. I'm in. They actually just announced this for the PS5, too, I think. The beta program for their software and stuff. Oh, for real? Let's go. Cool. Might have to check that out. Um, and then we also got deep dives on Scarlet Nexus, Battlefield 2042, Stalker 2. Not really any games for us, but we got to look at them. No, cool. I keep seeing the Scarlet Nexus. It like came out of nowhere with that weird demo, and I'd never fucking heard of it before that. Yeah, me neither. But now it's here. It's a big thing. Check it out. So then uh, today, also, we got to look at uh, the Pokemon Unite trailer, which is coming to Switch in July and mobile in September. Of course, this is that uh, free-to-start MOBA uh, with the Pokemon characters. And, um, you know, the, the whole big thing was, like, it's going to have uh, cross-platform play as soon as it comes to mobile, I think. And, um, you know, if you know anything about MOBAs, you know the, the structure of a MOBA, right? It's five-on-five five battles. Um, you're going to be collecting energy by either defeating, like, enemy Pokemon or then they have, like, NPC, like, wild Pokemon that are, like, just, you know, basic mobs like you'd see in any MOBA. Um, you get energy that way and then put them towards these, like, global objectives and your Pokemon will be able to, like, evolve throughout the match uh, and get um, a, uni- a Unite move, which is, like, you know, their their final move, basically. Um, there's going to be a couple different maps that'll have different rules, including, like, how many team members there can be. So I guess there'll be modes that aren't 5v5. Um, there'll be different match lengths, and there'll be legendary Pokemon that uh, have, like, environmental um, qualities. So seems like they're going to try to like make a play for some of the different kinds of formats we've seen in other MOBAs like ARAM and League of Legends maybe or like you know some like Twisted Tree Line or, or some of those kinds of things. So it's interesting to see that they already have some of that stuff already figured out because I think a lot of MOBAs tend to kind of figure out those additional game modes and features and stuff like later on in their their roadmap. So it seems like they have a pretty good idea for how they're going to try to get people in and and keep them invested. Um, and then they also talked a little bit about um, 
I guess didn't talk about this, but this kind of came along in the press release that there's information about how the uh, in-game currency is going to work. There will be money. There'll obviously be a currency you can get for regular money. Um, that's called Aeon Gems, which will be able to like unlock more Pokemon, um, get like items for your trainer character as well as the Pokemon that you're using in in the matches and stuff like that. Um, I'm imagining there will probably be like some cosmetic stuff as well. But then there's also uh, free to earn coins and tickets that you can get just from playing and like completing um, like objectives and dailies and stuff like that. So you'll be able to um, you know unlock stuff for free as long as you're willing to put in the time. So I I'm I'm in a weird place with this cuz I'm interested in it. I think there's a good chance I'll play a lot of it, but I also think that there's a good chance that what will happen anytime a mobile comes out and I try it, I'm just like, eh, I just kind of want to play more League of Legends again. I think it's yeah, like, I time for me to get that. back into League of Legends. So, <laughs> we'll see. I mean, I my my buddy Andy uh expressed interest in playing it and he's like the friend I play MOBAs with the most. So if we end up playing this together, I, I could see myself sinking some time into it. It looks pretty good, but we'll see. And you're playing on Switch, not mobile? Definitely, yeah. I'd prefer it there. I'd prefer it on PC, weirdly enough. That's not going to happen. But it ain't going to happen, so I'm going to play it on Switch. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'll have some first impressions for you in July, whenever it comes out. So, uh, let's jump into our mail pot. Uh, we've got a bunch of mail this time around because um, I've got some from the last week or two uh, because we didn't have time for the mail pot segment, as well as some of your E3 questions and comments. So, let's just hop into them uh, because we, we've, we got a lot of show left. So, uh, this one comes from Trendy Brendy, uh, who wrote in and said, Fellas, fellas! I remembered my perfect question that would have been in last week's MailPot, all thanks to your title for the episode being about uh, comparing Activision and EA. So as you can see, this is a pretty old one. <laughs> what is your? What was your best customer support experience with a games company? For me, I like Nintendo repairing my Joy-Con for free, but that's an experience I wish I didn't need to have. My real favorite experience was actually with EA. After calling them about my copy of Spore not installing, they added it to my Origin account and gave me all the DLC for free. It was so pleasant and not something I expected from EA of all companies. Best wishes, Trendy Brendy. So, I've been wrecking my brain, but I actually don't think I've ever called a games company apart from Sony. The only time I've ever had a problem. And that was with my PSP on multiple occasions. It broke like three times. My uh, UMD drive broke. The charge port to the fucking battery broke. It was constantly breaking. And that was not a great experience because I kept having to send it back. Um, I can't really think of anything best. The best company aside from games for customer support is Amazon. Like my Kindle broke. Before I even had to send my new one back, they'd already sent me one, and they said just send us the other one back in a box whenever you got time. Yeah, I don't really have a a good uh, story for this. Um, I don't think I've ever really had to experience customer service with a games company either. But I would say the best uh, company for customer service in the world is Sweetwater. Uh, they're a music um, outlet, like they sell musical instruments. Really? And Music? And they're called Sweetwater? Sweetwater. Yeah. I don't know why. Okay. But um, they have an exceptional customer service. They give you a personal contact who, like, handles your account, 
We'll like send you emails about like sales and stuff and like all kinds of stuff. It's great. Incredible customer customer service. And they'll call you like a year after you bought it and be like, how you liking it? Everything working out? Any problems that we can address? It's like, okay, that's cool. And it's not like the whole restaurant server thing where they come over and they're like, you're in the middle of eating and they've picked the, the most specific point where they can see everyone on the table's got a mouthful. So then everyone's going to complain. They go, everything's right with your food. And you go, no, like I, I literally got an email from my, my Sweetwater rep's name is Derek. Uh, and he emailed me today and was like, hey, man, just wanted to let you know because, um, you know, you've been a loyal customer. We are about to uh, change the prices on a bunch of our stuff because of some changes in shipping costs. And some of our vendors have brought up their prices. So you're going to see in the next like two weeks prices on a lot of stuff is about to shoot up. So if there's anything that you like have been thinking about buying or has been on your wish list or whatever, you're going to want to order it now. Even if it's on back order, we can guarantee you the current price, not the updated price. So like, let me know if there's anything you're thinking about and I can check for you if if the price is going to change, which is ridiculous. Like, why would you do that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I get similar experience from my business manager at Apple. They constantly try and message me to sell me new things, but it's never in the same way of, hey, we're putting the prices up. So yeah, we're trying to save you money. <laughs> it's, uh, Apple's usually like, hey, there's a new iPhone. Would you like to buy one? And I'm like, no, I wouldn't. Please leave me alone. And like, I got a, I got a notification from them because they were like, oh, hey, like we saw based on your you know, like your stuff, you, you buy drum stuff. We have a drum sale going on right now. And it's like, Oh, cool. Great. I bought some more stuff. (laughs) Worked out for both of us. Uh, so this next one, uh, comes from the phantom thieves and loot pots. Number one hype man, Mr. Zade Ida. That's how he signed it. And, uh, it's true that it, that is, that is in fact his title. Um, so he wrote in and said, yo guys, hope all is well in podcast land. My question for you is we seem to be seeing a lot of remakes slash remasters recently with both Sonic Colors and Dragon Quest three, both getting remasters announced just this past week at the time of writing our game developers. Let's, let's cross those out and we'll, we'll change it to with Sonic, uh, not Sonic, Super Monkey Ball, Super Monkey Ball. (laughs) Just pretend it's this week. Uh, are game developers running out of ideas or are they slowly starting to get limited by the technology p- provided to them? Also, I'm sure it'll come up when you guys talk about the games you're playing segment, but if P- if Steve hasn't even purchased Mass-, Mass Effect Legendary Edition by this point, I think it's safe for us to assume he will not be getting it. Hashtag sad face. Keep it steezy, fellas. The Phantom Thieves and Loot Pot's number one hype man, Dade. Well, we'll talk about that later. Uh, the Mass Effect <laughs> of it all. We'll talk about that later. Uh, but on the remasters thing, um, no, I don't. I don't think it's a uh, an issue of a lack of ideas or, or or a technology limitation. I think it's actually the the opposite. I think that I think that um, something that is probably inevitable as the cost of games go up is that um, there's going to be some level of risk aversion when it comes to gambling on like new ip or like untested ideas or things that are not proven ground and i think that you're going to see companies um make a lot more remasters and remakes for a few reasons one because they take less work in general right like you have the bones to build on right like of whatever you've done you have something to aim for you already have like a tool set 
in mind um, when you're creating something from an established IP, even if you're doing new work, even if you're building it from the ground up, right? Like a lot of the ideation and everything is kind of already there. So that saves you a lot of time and effort. Um, and I think that like what we saw with the, that Naughty Dog story recently, right? Where like they moved a bunch of people off of The Last of Us Part Two to work on The Last of Us Remake because designers and coders and, and those sorts of individuals like need work to keep them busy while Neil Druckmann or whoever is locking themselves in a, in a room and writing the next game, you know? And rather than go through this cycle of laying a bunch of people off when your project is done and then hiring back up when it's time to work on the next one, shifting those people off onto a remake of a game that you don't need to do, you know, a new story for or have to wait for new art assets or all those kinds of things. You can just put all those people to work and you get a game in an established franchise that already has cachet that a certain number of people are already going to buy and people who are maybe familiar with the franchise but have never played it for themselves, like Usaid, just where with Mass Effect, right? Have an opportunity to jump on for yourself. So I think those projects will become more common not because um, of the two things that you outlined, but because they're a safe bet, they make money, and they keep people employed while you work on the next new installment in an IP or where you work while you work on the next new IP that is going to be a gamble and that might not sell as well. What do you think, Steve? Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with that spe specifically for remasters. When you talk about remakes, I think it was a different story. Yeah. Like think about the final fantasy seven remake. That's a new game. I feel like that's, that's a brand new game. And I also feel like it's, it's probably at a point where, Fans of that game, when they were kids, are grown up now, potentially in the industry, working on this game, wanting to work on their favorite franchise and to modernize it and probably feel they have something to add to it. And it could also be that those developers or, or creatives that worked on that game originally kind of feel that technologies come to the point where they're no longer limited. So you mentioned that, you know, do you feel like they're getting limited by technology? I think, again, it's the total opposite to that, that maybe they feel that now, when they were previously limited by, like, the PS1 in Final Fantasy VII's case, now that's no longer the case, and they can build these expansive, cinematic, open-world kind of experiences that they wanted to do all along, and now what was in their head can be more of a reality because of that. Yeah, I think I think that's definitely the case. So while I definitely think that we will see a lot more of them in the coming years, I don't think that it's a sign um, of anything bad. I think it's just that there's more appetite for games um, than ever before. And yeah, companies, we I, were just I, talking I, you, earlier about how Sony wants to put out more games, right? Yeah. Uh, well, you can kind of see it's replicating Hollywood. As the in games industry has matured over the years, you really can kind of see that. Hollywood was you know, kind of the wild, wild west, and then it sort of collected down to four big studios. We're now down to a very small number of publishers and platform holders at this point. And those studios, like you said, the movie studios became less risk-averse. They wanted to produce what they knew sold and was popular at the box office. And ultimately, that led to many, many, many remakes over the years. Mm -hmm. Just look at how many Spider-Mans had, for example. 
Or, you know, like there's been, what, 30 James Bond movies. <laughs> yeah, 30 yeah. James Bond movies. That movie with, like, Lady Gaga and, and What's-His-Face where they sing that song. That's been made, like, five times. And yet people still pay to watch it because yep. they know they like that story. Well, you also have to think, right? It's the it's the same thing we always talk about with Pokemon, right? Like, every one is someone's first one. So that's the other thing, is that, like, there's something to be said for ringing new life out of an old game or a new, an old IP and bringing it back, you know? Um, like, and I think often a remake is an opportunity for a revival because you look at, like, Mass Effect right now, right? Like, Andromeda sucked all of the oxygen out of the Mass Effect room, and then now yeah. everybody's remembering how much they love Mass Effect because the trilogy's out, and we know that they're working on a new Mass Effect that's set in the Milky Way. So it's probably going to pick up where this game left off, and now, rather than it being a game that you have hazy, fond memories of from 10 years ago, you can play it. And the Zades of the world try it for the first time and fall in love with it. All right. So this next one, I, I'm just going to say this. This this next one's called, it's titled, Been a While. And I, I, won't, I won't tell you who it's from until we read it, okay? And I, I want you to see if you can guess from the patented format that this listener uh, established in their historic email <laughs> run. Hello there, Pete, Steve, and possible third person. Been a while, but I got a couple questions for you guys. Number one. With the Switch Pro rumors starting to go wild right now and maybe being announced by the time this podcast airs, you, you would have thought, huh? No dice. <laughs> what third-party games would you love to see on the Switch Pro if it's power, powerful enough to run games on par with what a PS4 could run? And then I love this. Uh, the, the, they added, this is going to be very awkward if the NX Pro gets announced after this mail and it's called something wildly different. Don't worry, it wasn't. <laughs> we go in question at a time because I know we said there was a couple, but they've written it with three. Yeah, so do you? I think we do one at a time, right? Okay, keep it straight. So I, I want basically, if it's on par with what PS4 can run, I want everything. Like I don't really know what else to say. I want I want it all there because that is where I would probably play the majority of third party games if it can run it at that that quality i feel the exact opposite way no games um i'm not interested in playing old third-party games on my switch that i'm much. not talking about like old third party like far cry 6 could run here i wouldn't play it on that though like i'd play it on my playstation i'd play it on my xbox yeah, know. you know so it's like why you know like if it comes and it runs fine and like the gamers who want to play everything on Nintendo can, God bless. That's great. Like that's, that's cool for them. Um, but I'm, I, it wouldn't make a difference to me. I'm not playing these games on switch. Um, and I probably never will. Like I buy, I bought a Nintendo switch and I use my Nintendo switch for Nintendo games and Indies. And like, that's what I want on it. And I really don't have any interest in pulling other stuff to it. You know, um, unless it's a game that, I love and would love to have on the go, you know, like life is strange yeah. is coming to the switch. Yeah. I was going to say like a life is strange yeah. and that obviously would play better on a, on a pro model. Right. But that can run on the current switch. We know it can cause it's, it's coming. Exactly. So like, that's cool. Like that I'll, I'll happily play those games again on switch. Um, but I don't need that. It's nice. I mean, what if it's a case that like the, the switch pro can do 
GameCube emulation, whereas the normal Switch can. Because I would love to go for that. Like, I let's mean, get the huge. GameCube collection yeah. over here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, okay, number two. Now that we're probably past the halfway point of the Switch's lifespan, do you think that Nintendo will stick to the model of a hybrid console the next, if not a couple more generations? I think they will. I don't think there's any reason to go back. Um, prior to the Switch, we saw them bring their mobile, not mobile, handheld and home console development houses closer together. They used to be more siloed off, and now they're they all it's all the Switch, right? So there's no difference. They share more resources, and I feel like you can see how having the focus on one console has led to better sales. It has led to less less software droughts, and you don't have this like push and pull of you know oh well we have to worry about putting out x number of handheld exclusives or x number of handheld games per quarter as well yeah. as the home console or, or even just like the differentiation of is this a 3ds game or is this a wii u game where would it fit best or, or they ultimately put they tried to port both to both of them right so you had like smash for 3ds and smash for wii u yeah you and you Mario actually have to make two both. games yeah and you always ended up with like a watered down version that was never quite as good Yep, and you split the sales. Like it, it, I just I think front to back, there's no no good reason for them to go back on this. I think if if I, and I I frankly I'm at the point where like if they ever do go back on it, I'll be actively pissed because I yeah. love the Switch and I don't Me want too, it to yeah. change. I I do love the Switch. I also do kind of wonder how many more generations we've got after this like when does it come to the point where you know 5g 6g is literally everywhere and i can stream anything on my phone and i've got something that's you know handheld always in my pocket connectable to the cloud and i can just stream any game i want I when I'm at home, i can just stream that game i genuinely don't think that'll happen i really don't um i i have always felt this way um, I remember coming off of the PS3, Xbox 360 generation. Everybody said PS4, Xbox One's got to be the last generation of consoles, right? And of course it wasn't. It was the best-selling generation of consoles yet. And I think this generation will, will rival it. And I, I think more and more, I I can't see a future where that makes any sense. Because even as we get to a point, unless unless I'm mistaken about the way that internet infrastructure is going to evolve, games, at least AAA games, are going to continue to get bigger and more complex and more unwieldy and have more moving parts. And I don't think you're going to want to stream those things. I think that that's going to limit how well games can run and how well they can evolve. Well, the, and... the, the way it streams is it essentially is like a... Think of it as there's a capture card on someone else's computer and it's streaming the video footage. Yeah. And then it's taking the controls and you're sending it back. But that's still dependent that's on it does. that's still dependent on it's, internet though. Yeah, it's dependent on internet and it's dependent on latency. But five G we're already seeing speeds up to one gigabit a second. You could get to six G, seven G. At some point we're not gonna be using phones. At some point we're not gonna be using desktop computers and we're not gonna be using uh, consoles. 
But I firmly believe that's the future. I I don't though. I I don't I don't see how that makes any sense because at 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 some point you still need and you know you're a you're a developer you know better than me but I, I just I don't think that I don't think it makes sense because you still need a device like you still need a way to interact with whatever you're doing and like the idea that every television or you know that like we're going to have cloud technology that's so seamless that we can because you know, what happens when games go from being a few hundred gigabytes to terabytes like you're yeah, not going to be able to are already movies are already like a blu-ray a uhd blu-ray yeah a 4k movie you would stream is 50 gigabytes but you can stream it no problem and but it's not true say, 4k like, it is true 4K, but it's the bitrate that's different. So the the bitrate is is like the the level of detail you can see. So you'll get a max like of 10 bit from Netflix is usually about 8 bit, whereas you'll get like four 24, 48 bit. Yeah, from, a, and from you, the UHD Blu-ray. You don't think that? And, and I think I think maybe it'll be there. Like you'll have the option to to have a console, but I do think the masses will just stream. Like the like the masses watch Netflix, don't know the difference, can't see the difference between that and a UHD Blu-ray. But the niche, the people, the enthusiasts that really care about it, the UHD Blu-ray there is the options there. If you really, really care about like Star Wars in 4K, well, that's a bad example because you can't actually buy it. If you really care about Indiana Jones in 4K, you can buy the collection rather than streaming it from like Apple or Netflix or whatever. Right. And, and and my point to that is that I don't I don't think that there will ever come a point where there isn't where people like us, like enthusiasts, the people that do podcasts and listen to the news and watch E3 and all those things, I think we will always want to buy consoles because we want the top of the line experience. We want the best, you know, graphics the best frame rates this we want a better experience whereas the mm-hmm. the casual gamer that we talk about who you know buys fifa and maybe picks up call of duty maybe picks up an assassin's creed maybe gets one you know one big triple a game a year two triple a games a year i think those people will buy a controller and stream from their television because they don't care but those are the same people yeah, and I, and right how, now how big of a percentage of nintendo gamers do you think are more in the I play Mario Camp versus I play whatever the fuck Nintendo puts out. I'll buy anything. I think I think the thing is, though, I don't think that we're ever going to... Because you just said, like, oh, we're going to get rid of phones. Okay, well, then what do you play Nintendo games on? Well, I, I, right. The, my, like, view of the future, like, very far in the future is like augmented reality and we don't need we don't need a screen in front of our face we can interact I, with something i just i still don't i still don't buy that like i i and i think that there are a lot of people that prognosticate that that's like just the inevitable future of technology and i just don't i i think that that will exist and there will be those kinds of experiences and those kinds of video games but i it's in the same way that like I don't think it's going to replace it, but you just you augment like a sixty-inch screen in front of your face rather than having to use up that space to have something that's not used like eighty percent of the time. Yeah, but I have a hard time thinking that that's going to like make sense because like you still need a controller, you still need a way to interact. Like I, mm-hmm. I don't think that there's going to be a day where I, I can just sit down and be like boop and pull up a screen and just be like. No, I'm not saying it's that. Not but feel like you'll have like a keyboard at your desk, and rather have, than having like a computer there, it will all be like in the cloud. It'll be like a remote terminal. 
Yeah, and I think that that will be the case for a lot of stuff. But I think when you're talking about like video games, I think video games are always on the curve of technology. And I, I do think that like, and, and maybe I'm just so limited in my mindset that I'm not thinking far enough. But I think at least for the rest of our lifetimes, I think that there will maybe, be physical like, pieces of I, hardware. I don't know about that Like in 30 years time. That's a long time. Like you're talking about like, or like 40 years time. Like yeah. the, the inception of the internet. Like in 40 years time, that's how long, you know, like we've, or we've, like that's like the personal computer was created like four years yeah. ago. And that was like a black and white screen with no GUI. It was just like text. Like things come a long way yeah. in that time. No doubt. But my, but look at video games, right? Video games have existed that long and what has remained the same? There's a device that plays the game and there's a controller or your mouse and keyboard. At the end of the day, there's a thing that runs the the device. I'm not saying the input device goes, but how many attempts have we had now at streaming? Like on live, tried it. Yeah. We've had Nvidia try it. We've had PlayStation try it. Xbox uh, or Google tried it with Stadia still are trying seemingly. Amazon's trying it. Microsoft's trying it. That's, that's where it's going to go. Like, Blockbuster thought they were going to be around forever. Like they thought, oh, everyone's always going to need to go somewhere to rent a movie because we're never going to be able to watch it any other way. Well, then Netflix kind of showed them that that's not the fucking case. I'll tell you what, though. You should watch the documentary on, on Netflix about Blockbuster because you'll realize that Blockbuster went out of business for a lot different reasons than I think we think. There were different... Oh, they were, they were terribly mad. It was the business more yeah. than the market yeah. reality that I think everybody assumes that was, oh, Netflix killed it. It's like, oh, well... People, the red box is still a thing. Like people rent movies. I genuinely don't know what red box is. It's a it's a kiosk that's outside of like Seven Elevens and and drugstores and WalMarts oh, and okay. stuff. And you can rent DVDs. Yeah, we don't we don't have that. Super like, popular. Amazon, uh, the the biggest one in the UK because we never really had Netflix discs. It was, we just basically got streaming was Love Film, and Amazon bought them and killed the Love Film by post, and they just made Amazon Prime Video. <laughs> there you go. Um, we should move on, but interesting conversation. Number three, how will you spend E3? <laughs> Do you guys plan to go on vacation in order to watch it all? Have you usually spent E3 before 2020 in comparison? Well, I gotta say, I'm pretty fucking glad I didn't go on vacation because two of the days were like complete fucking duds. Thanks, take two. And, um... <laughs> You're so salty because of your predictions. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and you know, the Sunday seemingly Sunday and Tuesday, like Nintendo's event was great. It happened after work, so I didn't just take any time off. And Sundays was on Sunday. It was Microsoft, you know. So yeah, I I did all right. But um, next year I'm hoping it's a little bit more back to normal, and we get like a more fuller event. And I will plan to take some time off because we deeply regretted not, not having any time, time off and recording. Yeah. It's now 2 a.m. and we're still recording this show. <laughs> and we still have questions to answer and predictions to go through. That E3 week is, is brutal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I took a half day on the day of Nintendo's presentation. That was the only time I took off. And I definitely wish I had taken more. I was exhausted. Um, I usually take time off for it to make content and watch everything and have fun with it. When I was in college, um, my friend used to throw an E3 party and all of his roommates and him, 
uh, would get a bunch of alcohol and we would get really fucked up and watch all of the conferences. And I would be like sitting there, like me and him and one other friend were like trying to like write articles while we're like drunk watching this stuff. It was fun, but it was definitely a thing I don't think I could do now. <laughs> At least that not both. thing again. CH thing again, Pete. Yeah, I know. We're getting old. Uh, okay, so thanks. Oh, and uh, signed. Best, Asobi, a.k.a. Mr. So Hyped, it's going to be hard to sleep shortly before E3. Thanks for writing, Asobi. It's been a while. I, I appreciated your patented three-question format. Um, I, tru- <laughs> I truly missed it. <laughs> so thanks for and, writing. And I really hope like all your E3 dreams came true after that, I hope that so. much build-up. Yeah. Yeah, I hope, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, and I hope you'll write in again next week. Hit us up with another one. All right, so this next one is another one from Trendy Brendy, and this is uh, about E3 this time around. So this is, this is a recent email. <laughs> hey, cast of the Potscast podcast. What a sentence. That was hard. Uh, my friends and I also played an E3 predictions game, but we focused specifically on Nintendo's conference. I won with four points to both of my friends' scores of three, but I'm not here to brag. You know what, uh, Brendy? Champions don't need to brag, right? Anyway, I don't want to hear any fucking gloating. At the main end of this thing That's all I've got to say right now. Main thing I want to ask you guys is what the heck happened to Pokemon? Usually they do their own thing a week before E three, so we all thought that there that would be the safest bet. Still cool to see Unite hitting Switch in July before mobile in September, but I needed that in the direct to secure first place even more. Also, well, I guess we could we could answer that. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, kind of weird. I feel like they did it though, didn't they? They already kind of showed all their hand earlier on uh, Twitter year with yeah, yeah. I, I think that was it. But to Brendy's point, usually it's like it's a teaser. It's a it's a. This was just like tweets. It was weird. It was definitely different than what they've normally done. Um. Also, oh, back to the email. Maybe, well, maybe oh, they just ahead. didn't know that E three was going ahead at that point. Like it seemingly was like last fucking minute, and maybe they'd already got all their plans in motion. Hadn't planned to get a Pokemon Direct ready or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's odd. But I guess it's also maybe that they just don't have that much to show. Like, they have stuff coming later, and it's like, hey, here's dates. Cool. Yeah, maybe they, they took a page, of the page that Square and Take-Two should take and not throw a fucking event when you haven't got anything to show. <laughs> and Capcom. Back to the email. Also, wow, uh, Monkey Ball and Mario Party both in October means it's going to be an awesome party game winter. My friends and I were ecstatic to see that stars cost 20 coins again during the treehouse. Also, we popped off for the Monkey Ball 1, 2, and Deluxe Collection. Sorry that these thoughts are... Oh, no. Go ahead. I was going to just... Did you watch any of the the treehouse? No, I haven't got it. I mean, I've seen all the news at this point, but I didn't get a chance to sit down and watch it yet. I really want to Good, see the so Mario Party. Footage. You won't have seen that Phil Spencer showed up then. Um, but... Liar! I know he didn't. I checked. <laughs> son of a bitch. But yeah, there's a bunch of changes in Mario Party. So the twenty coins thing is back. I'm not so happy that allies and the, uh, the, dice. the like changeable dice roll per character are gone. Yeah. I thought that was a really nice way to get you to try out all the different characters. Seemingly everything's unlocked from the beginning. Um, but I loved the way that they showed like uh, the little N64 like which version of Mario Party the minigames from and stuff it's really really cool and uh, I saw I, I saw someone on Twitter saying that they were going to trade in Super Mario Party for this one I don't think I'm going to that extreme because I don't know if nah. you know I've never ever traded a game in in my life really and no never um, 
and I think I'm just gonna get this as an addition. I'm really excited. Yeah, for yeah. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep my hands on Super Mario Party. We need to play it until this comes out. <laughs> but yeah, I am. I'm through the roof excited for that one. And and uh, Monkey Ball is gonna be fun too. I really. I loved Monkey Ball too. So I'll probably pick that up. Uh, so back to the email. Sorry that these thoughts are so scattered. I'm just very excited for the next year. I also just started Metroid Zero Mission, and I'm going to try to finish all four mainline Metroid games before Dread, because that game being in that game being in the rumor mill since I was a conscious human, now becoming a, re- a reality, is very surreal. All the love in the world, Brendy. Thanks for writing in, Brendy. Always nice to hear from you. Yeah, thank you. I, I can't decide if I want to try Metroid or not. I might just start a super metroid give it a go see how i get on i I enjoy it i've decided i'm just gonna wait i'm just gonna play dread you're gonna try dread you're gonna just i'm gonna wait see what you say then because i'm not blowing 60 quid on a on metroid dread and then hate the thing yeah i'm just gonna give it a shot we'll see how it goes i think i might buy a physical copy so that if i don't like it i can give it to somebody else (laughs) yeah um but yeah i'm just gonna try that i don't i don't really feel like going backwards um, if anything, I might play Metroid Fusion because um, I know I started that on the Game Boy Advance as a child, and I know Sobe said it was really good, so maybe I'll give it a go. Uh, so <laughs> this next email comes from Doc, and I'm going to read the title of it because it's hilarious. Hello, it is Doc using the boomer method of asking a question for you boomer types. You son of a bitch. Doc, <laughs> Doc writes in and says, what's good? Do you think Nintendo is going to do another Direct for Zelda 35? Why or why not? No, they're not. I don't think they will either. Um, I think the way that Enuma uh, spoke about Zelda 35 makes me think that they don't have anything else planned and that if they do have anything else, that it's going to be similar to what we saw with the Mario 35 where like later in the year, maybe we get some swag, maybe we get a Lego set or, you know, cereal or some other bullshit. But I don't think it's going to be any other games. I don't think it's going to be any other nintendo announcements really so i can't imagine that they will go through the trouble of doing a focused direct on zelda's 35th no i don't think they're gonna bother um we had like the seemingly like this is all we're doing um at e3 with the the game and watch thing that was like their celebration for the 35th anniversary it sucks because i know everyone really wants wind waker and everything else on on Switch, but I just don't think it's going to happen this year. Yeah. It's a bummer. I just don't know why they won't do it. Like, just put them out. Like, give me Wind Waker. Give me... I guess because they don't want to Zelda everyone out. And yeah. plus, they've got a ton planned for this year already now. We've got Advance Wars. We've got WarioWare. We've got Mario Party. They want to space them out. Yeah. But it's like, come on. Give me the ones I want. Give me Wind Waker. Give me Ocarina. Like, give me... <laughs> Give me Majora's Mask. Even if you make it a limited time to release, I'll forgive you for this. I just want them. I just want them. Yeah, like just give me the option. Like fucking squeeze more money out of me. It's fine. <laughs> All right. So this is gonna be our last question before we get into the main topic, which is of course our E3 bet recap. We will name a victor, and the loser will cry. So question for the Potscast. What's up, podcast gang? Hope my two favorite podcasters, besides myself, of course, are doing well. That's all right. 
to call yourself your favorite podcaster, Zay. That's a little bit much. Uh, now that E3 <laughs> is behind us, it's safe to assume that the consensus opinion was that E3 was pretty underwhelming, besides a few good shows such as Nintendo, as an example. Has E3 outstayed its welcome and become redundant? It seems like separate shows spread out over the year is a more effective way of delivering news. Look at our Discord. Shout out to the greatest of all time Discord community. Nobody was particularly impressed with most of the shows, especially when you consider what Capcom and did uh, along with Square Enix. I think E3 has shifted from a news show to a show floor kind of event. Interested in hearing your thoughts. Warmest of warm regards, the, the Phantom Thieves and Loot Pot's number one hype man, Zade Ida. P.S. Get wrecked, You're going to save it. You're going to save it. You're All right, save I'll save it. it. I'll save it. <laughs> I'll save the P.S. Uh, I got I got a few things to say. Like I kind of feel that the fact that the Discord was so a bubble for like a week, everyone was so hyped, so excited, just goes to prove how effective it is to collect everything in one week yep. and collect everything together. Everyone's got eyes on. They want to know exactly what's going on, what's hype. Your news gets out there. Uh, that being said, I don't necessarily think it has to be E3. You know, the yeah. ESA could hand the keys over to Jeff Keighley. He could do a summer game fest thing. It could be spread out over the course of a month if he wanted to. Similar thing, though. We all know when everything, when all the events happening. Even if he did it over a few days, over a week, I think it would be fine. He works with the Gamescom people, and E3 has been wanting to shift to that kind of model for the last few years. They've slowly been letting fans in onto the stage floor. It's become more of a public event rather than a trade show. I could see them shifting to do that. E3, they keep the E3 brand because that is strong and everyone knows what it is. And it does become like a public-facing event. The trade show element kind of falls by the wayside. And yeah, you get these hype announcements, but it's very much more consumer-focused and public-focused rather than journalists going here, setting up backdoor meetings, and and kind of figuring out what's what. Yeah, I I, I gotta say, um, I totally disagree um, with with what what you both said with what you just said, and I totally reject the um, the entire notion of of what Zade's putting down. Um, and I think I've seen a lot of that attitude, and and I just I just. I, I really think it comes from being somebody on this side of the fence, on the fan side, on the, the commentator side, but not actually like a journalist side, um, where it's easy for us to say, oh, I don't need this anymore. But like it, it ignores so much of the reality of what E3 presents. Um, if you read either of Jason's books, if you listen to developers talk about E3, um, there are a lot of meetings that happen at E3. There are a lot of backdoor conversations, not between journalists and, and developers, which I think is the forward-facing thing that we think of, but between indie developers and publishers. You know, um, in the chapter in, in Jason's most recent book, Press Reset, uh, about Enter the Gungeon, Enter the Gungeon exists because they sent the, you know, basically the PR person for their studio who was also one of the lead developers because they were an indie studio with a backpack with a laptop and their demo of the game and he got a meeting with someone at Devolver and that's how their game got made like that doesn't happen if E3 doesn't exist um the trade I, I disagree because you know I've been listening to a bunch of podcasts and in, in particular um triple click and hearing how how it's adapted over the last year with everyone at these studios working remotely and the journalists working remotely, they've they've got ways around it. 
and and the meetings have still been happening not necessarily in the same way of like off the cuff oh i didn't know you were here or let's have a conversation but the meetings have been set up they demo games through like streaming software so you can still try the game out you can still kind of get a feel for how it works you're not just watching someone play you are playing the demo but the build's not on your machine and yeah that's not the ideal situation but i don't necessarily feel like you need a physical in-person event for all of these deals to go ahead and and take place like Mm. e3 was seemingly dying anyway like even before the pandemic there was like talk that the the 2019 z3 like is this going to be the last one jeff Keighley left he wanted to do his own thing um we saw the huge leak for the journalist data that everyone was like just completely furious about and, and quite rightly so like, I don't necessarily think it needs to be E3 and the ESA that does that. But that's, Whether those are two different trade show. Those are two different points, though. I agree with you. It doesn't have to be the ESA, but I think that, like, I think a trade show of E3's ilk, like, if it goes away, it has a tangible effect on the industry. It has a tangible effect it on the industry. Maybe, but, devs. like, forget the trade show aspect of it, because that's not what Zade's talking about here. He's not talking about, like, the trade show aspect. He's talking about, like, He's saying making it more of a consumer event. But no, but he's saying like, has E3 stayed its welcome and become redundant because the like, the few good shows are underwhelming. Well, if, if that, that's not, that was never the original like purpose of E3 to make these huge announcements to the public. It became that way because everyone kind of had eyes on to that. And as the internet evolved, people were watching it live and seeing what was happening and, and reading what the journalists were saying while, while they were there. But that wasn't the original purpose. It was for these no. deals to, to go ahead. Like, you know, the original Nintendo PlayStation, like, that was announced at originally, like, and planned and, and done at E3. Like, those are the kind of things that, that were meant to happen there. And for E3 just to become that consumer show, I don't think... I don't think would be uh, be an issue. I do think you would see fewer and fewer announcements there. If that was the case, though, if it's just a another Gamescom or uh, another PAX. Well, and and I think that that's a problem, though, because like I think that like a lot of again, like Zade makes that point here, right? He says like I think that having separate shows spread out over the year is a more effective way of delivering news. I disagree. I don't think it is. Um, I do too. Like I, I genuinely think the hype around E3 week this year has been insane. You pay like, attention to things that you wouldn't tired. pay attention to because yeah. it's E3, and and that's that's a big deal. And like I, I made this point in our Discord when everybody was like kind of you know having this conversation is like my ca- and this is anecdotal, right? But my casual gamer friends watch E3 or pay attention to E3 and and know to look at it. They don't watch Gamescom. They they don't pay attention to you know oh. Square Enix is doing a Dragon Quest stream the week before E3. Nobody fucking, nobody I know that isn't a dork like us watched that, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Nobody that I know who isn't a dork watched, and I mean that with all the love in the world. I'm, I'm one of you, right? I'm saying this as me. Uh, watched the Sonic event, right? Right, yeah, maybe so, but people who, who are like into certain games are watching them, like the Battlefield reveal that happened before E3, people tuned into that because they love Battlefield, and that's a huge franchise. Yeah. People will tune in to EA Play, even though it's not at E3, because it's not EA. Not the same number of that. people, though. Well, may, maybe Let's not. Let's compare those numbers when they come out. Uh, that would be interesting, because seemingly Nintendo and 
was like the the one that did the best. Yeah, and that's the thing. Nintendo can do a direct whenever they want. But like here's here's a great example of this, right? Let's talk about PlayStation State of Play. How many people mm-hmm. watched that versus how many people tuned in for PlayStation's E3 presentation every year? Right, but how many watched the PlayStation State of Play when they announced the PlayStation 5? Yeah, but that's that one no, that thing. That wasn't done at E3. Like Originally, it was like traditionally. That's where you go and you reveal your new console. They I know. decided not to bother and to do their own thing. And it had absolutely millions of people tuned in. Yeah, but it's because it's the PlayStation 5 reveal. But when they just had the right. gameplay but showing for Horizon, like doing... that didn't do the same numbers as a direct. That didn't no, do... No, because it was just like one game. But if it was like we are doing 40 minutes... Say they did the exact same thing as Nintendo did. We're doing 40 minutes of new PS5 games that are coming out in 2021 and going into 2022. You'd tell me people wouldn't tune in for that. If it was like front and center on the fucking PlayStation 5's home screen when you turn it on. Yeah, and I mean, I think I think that that could work, but that works for a PlayStation. That works for a Nintendo. Mm-hmm. That works for an Xbox. That doesn't work for everybody. You know? No, it doesn't work for the publishers. It doesn't work for the Square Enix. It doesn't work for the, the Ubisoft. Devolver the Digital? No, no, it doesn't. But Devolver wasn't even at E3. No, it but it's at the same time event. as E3 for a reason. Yes. Yeah. There's a reason is. There's a reason that Devolver Digital, Day of the Devs, uh, the Wholesome Direct, all of these other smaller things that are not related to E3 had E3 events or had events mm-hmm. the same week as E3. Right? Because that's the season. And and you and I agreed on this last year. That Summer Games uh, Fest, Game Fest, granted, was last minute. It didn't have the same level of planning or whatever. But the events being so spread out, by the end of it, you don't care. You're burnt out. And you're not paying attention I 100% agree with you. Uh, but I feel like if, if E3 disappeared, if the ESA was like this last year, it was a failure. It didn't work. And Jeff was like, okay, I'm going to pick up where you left off. And he did like a summer games fest because he included the Xbox thing in his summer games fest. I know Nintendo was only in E3, but some of them kind of crossed over. The Ubisoft was in the summer games fest. Those traditionally were E3 events, you know, Ubisoft forward, the Microsoft was always like the opening keynote. It was always the opener for E3 and Nintendo always closed it out. I think you could easily do it. Just call it summer games fest. And and Jeff does the presentations. You get the opening show, the closing show, and everyone does their presentations in the middle. And maybe there's a maybe there's a public presence, but I genuinely think someone like Jeff could do online stuff better than the ESA did, rather than yeah. their shitty fucking I- avatar system. I think all you need is like a, a Discord where everyone can go in and people can ha- arrange meetings and, and have conversations on it. You don't need it to be an in-person event. I, I agree with that. I definitely agree that that if Jeff did that and that was a replacement for E3 and rather than it being spread out over the course of two or three months, it was over the course of a week or two, I think that would be fine. But I don't think that's what's going to happen. Because uh, like, I think the reason it happens localized is because it's an event, not a loose association of events that Jeff Keighley is loosely organizing. And... I think that the the um, the point about it being in a live room, I think the presentations are actively worse because they're not live. Like when a cool know. things happen. I, I don't know. Like the Xbox thing this year was like bam, 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 bam. It was the best pacing of any presentation I've seen in a long time because it wasn't live. Yeah, but 
but that's the thing, right? Like Xbox doesn't need to do this shit they do when they're live to make things like less interesting. Because, like, Sony has had presentations like that, where they barely talk, and it's just stuff, 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 stuff. Nintendo has done that before. And, like, you know, I I do feel like you miss that energy of, like, when there's a big reveal and then everybody erupts, you know? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'm old-fashioned, but I, I think that, like, you you lose something by not having that. At the very least, though, the proximity of the events is extremely important, I think. Um, I think the more you decentralize uh, these big events, the less people care about them by a lot. And you can look at the number of people who actually tune in for the these you know small competing events off E3 season, and you can see what I'm talking about because it's a huge difference in the numbers. Um, so I'm going to read the P.S., and it's going to take us into our main topic. P.S. Get wrecked, Steve! You have to play Mass Effect Trilogy. And after that, Persona 5 Royal for losing the prediction game. Shout out to Pete. <laughs> you like that? You like you like uh, how Zay yeah. tried to sneak that in there? You got to play Persona I, I 5 too? I'm definitely not playing Persona 5 Royal. <laughs> uh, I'm, uh, uh, at this point, I'm never booting my PS4 up ever again. I just don't want to play anything on that thing. Once you get your PS5, though, that's when you'll play Maybe Royal. when I get my PS5, yeah. yeah. Maybe I'll just play Persona 5 because I already own it. No, don't. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so spoiler alert, I won. I am the champion uh, in a final... win. Of- yeah, and some of these next year, where we're, we're going to rein some of these in because I'm sorry, oh. you Smash Fire revealed a direct should not have happened. Okay, all right, all right. That's where we're going. So you lose and you're already complaining. For All right, so now I I'm going to gloat. I was complaining when, you, when I got it and you were like, are you kidding? You've got a new Mega Man game. That's like a that's, that's like an easy one. That's straight in the bag for you. Well, no. you lost on that one. Apparently but, not. Okay, fine. How about this, Steve? Release date for Flight Sim. That was easy as fuck. A game will be announced with some imminent controversy. That's literally the most vague fucking thing of all time. Are you kidding me? Yes, it is. You said a game will come out (laughs) and there will be controversy. That is literally guaranteed. No, 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 no. You wrote this down and I I said what I thought was going to happen. I remember I was like, I I told you. Yeah, Yeah, what'd you say? What'd you say, Steve? Just listen to the recording. Anyway, I don't know why you get into it. You fucking won. I'm gonna play Mass Effect, right? I'm getting into it because you're trying to you're trying to cheapen my victory before I even get to claim it. I didn't even say how many points I got, and you're like, oh, well, you cheated, and next year we're gonna rein it in. Well, you know what he else got, we're gonna do next year, Steve? Point. Half points. We're gonna do no, quarter points. Half points. Yes, no, we we're not doing half points. Yeah, we are. It'll make it more interesting. Fine, well, I got half point because a new Smash Fighter arrived but didn't shadow drop you, that's point. not how that works you can't say shadow drop Capcom and then be mad will reveal a game but not new mega man so that's half point i want one person i want even one person to back you up 
and tell me that Shadow Drop doesn't mean that it's released the same day as the conference because you were immediately, oh, well, if it comes out the next day, that counts. <laughs> That's not what a Shadow Drop is. Are you kidding me? You made terrible predictions and then you tried to cheat your way out of it, all right? They were they were dreadful predictions. <laughs> but to be fair, mine were like ridiculous predictions. Every single one was like a fucking... I'm sorry. I was trying to win a competition. You can't ask me to bet and then ask me to make dumb choices. Yeah. I had to predict things that I thought would happen. All right? And, I, I you know, I took like some the, gambles. Like, the, you know, some of them, though, like the Starfield one, we knew was going to happen. It's like... No, we on. didn't. Yeah, we did. We didn't know. It was rumored. Come on. We also we also had the rumor that there was going to be uh that that they're working on a Donkey Kong project, right? I, I yeah. threw that in there. That well, didn't Nintendo happen. Nintendo was kind of just totally wrong for both of us. I don't think you got you got the Smash Fire one, but other than that, that was literally nothing. the only thing I got right. Yeah. And like, come on, I swung for the fences with the Zelda thing. Like, I, I made some crazy ones. All right, let's recap. We'll recap our predictions. Right, the Zelda thing was not swinging from the fences. Like, you know, that was like... A... Are you kidding me? I said there's no way they'll show Breath of the Wild 2, and then they showed Breath of the Wild 2. Like, oh, right, okay. I, come on. Give me a break. But I didn't think they were going to show Breath of the Wild 2. I don't think anyone thought they were going to show Breath of the Wild 2. Well, we were all dumb. So anyway, we'll go through them real quick. Uh, I, I, uh, I had... Four points to Steve's two. My first was that we would get a trailer for Final Fantasy VI at Square Enix Presents. They did not show it. Uh, I said that we would get a next Smash Fighter reveal, and of course we did see Kazuya from Tekken make the make the reveal. Uh, I said we'd get our first proper look at Starfield with a 2022 release window. That was correct. Uh, I said we'd get a second look at Halo Infinite with a vague release window. That was correct. Um, I said Nintendo would reveal that there would be more Zelda ports and no deep dive on Breath of the Wild 2. Neither of those were correct. <laughs> um, we will see more of Splatoon 3. We did not. I said we would get a confirmation of the existence of the Metroid Prime trilogy. We did not. Instead, we got a look at a brand new 2D Metroid. So I was off there. Uh, I said I thought, I thought you were getting it. Like when they showed the trailer... I thought so you're getting close. this one. I really thought I was too. I was like, "Oh man, here we go." Nope, no dice. Uh, I thought I was gonna get the Zelda one too. I really did. Um, yeah, and then it was like, "And we have no plans to bring any more Zelda again." You're like, "Ah, fuck." <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, to be fair, right? I could sit here and argue with you that we're getting ports of Zelda. They're coming to the Game and Watch system, but no. Oh fuck off! I'm not no sitting way. here trying to fight That's with you about it. That's not what you meant, and you know it. So I'm not trying to fight about it. Uh, I said I thought we'd get an update on Fable. We didn't. Um, they mentioned it. They said it was in development, but no no update on it, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, and then I said that we would get... Like, well, they're too busy making Forza, so, you know, you yeah. kind of give them credit. And then I said we would get new content coming to Monster Hunter Rise, which was revealed at the Capcom event, so I got a point there. Uh, my risky pick about the rumored DK project being mentioned uh, did not happen, so... I had I thought that happened too with the monkey ball thing where it was like the banana showed up and I was like oh. I was like oh no damn it's the other monkey game <laughs> shoot um okay why don't you go through yours Steve so we will see the announcement of the next Bioshock at Take Two which did not happen because Take Two decided not to you announce made, any games you whatsoever made so many Take Two bets. <laughs> 
when you made when I saw that that was nothing, I was like, "Oh, I got this in the bag." <laughs> yeah, no, I was so annoyed. A new Smash Firewall will be shadow dropped. Did not happen. Phil Spencer makes an appearance at Nintendo Treehouse, which, as anyone that watched Nintendo Treehouse knows, that did happen. But it Peter did. Watch it it did not. You liar. It wouldn't even make you win. <laughs> uh, a release date for Flight Sim was announced. And very, very soon as well, like July. Yeah. I'm really excited for that one. Imminent. Uh, a game will be announced with some imminent controversy. Now, this did happen for, to a couple of games, both at Square. So there was Babylon's Fall the um the platinum game which became a service game and everyone was like oh no what have you done to this game like seriously what is this and then there was the the demo chaos <laughs> demo that just was corrupt did not work immediately it was like what the fuck that chaos was out of control that's a sign then uh <laughs> then a uh, Nintendo representative will appear at another E3 event. Now, I've got a shout-out to Asobi. I really, really appreciate, like, Asobi trying to push... Does, does Mario being a Ubisoft <laughs> count as a Nintendo representative? I thought that was so funny. I was like, nice try, but no. <laughs> Unfortunately, no, it does not. I meant, like, Miyamoto showing up at Ubisoft or... Yeah. Um, someone being on i actually kind of thought it was going to be at microsoft i really thought you were going to get it with the rabbits thing when they checked in with our with our boy the the, the lead from last yeah. time i thought i thought miyamoto would be like oh hi you know what's up we're all good bye you know no he's decided not to show up you also uh that you skipped the capcom one capcom will reveal mega man oh game. capcom will reveal a new mega man game now this was on me because i should have checked prior because i did it for square but capcom announced everything they were gonna talk about <laughs> shoot prior to us even making the predictions so that was my own stupid fault um then the next xcom will be revealed at take two but not marvel xcom well they didn't reveal either of those so uh, no XCOM or Marvel XCOM there. Uh, Modern Tomb Raider will be reported will be ported to Nintendo Switch again. If I'd have listened to Jason Schreier on on Triple Click last week, where he flat out said, uh, "It's not going to be Tomb Raider. That's going to be Guardians of the Galaxy." On fucking Thursday, we recorded when like what Sunday? <laughs> I'd have known. I'd have known. Uh, and then Risky Pick Mario Kart 9. So um, I did terribly. I got two right. Didn't go so hot for you, bud. Yeah, no, I just got the Risky Pick. I thought I thought you were probably going to get yours, to be honest, because I thought it was about time we saw that Donkey Kong project. Guess not. <laughs> Maybe later this year. Who's to say? But, of course, we all know that this means I, I have won the bet, and the bet was, of course, that the winner would get to choose... A game trilogy of their choice for so the which one are you picking, to play. Right? Uh, so, of course, I'm going to pick Super Mario Brothers. No, I'm just. <laughs> you are, of course, going to play the Mass Effect Legendary Collection. You promised me that you would play it. You lied to me. You broke my heart. And it took me winning a bet and threatening to not send you a board game. But you're finally going to play this goddamn game. I'm just glad my board game wasn't in your basement. Me too. That would have been bad. <laughs> You're lucky it's not. Yeah. It was on my bookshelf upstairs for no good reason. Wow. Because <laughs> you and Sarah played it, right? No. Still in the still in the box. Wouldn't do that to you. <laughs> she asked if we could. <laughs> 
Just kidding. She would also never do that. She would be mortified. <laughs> we could. Pl we should play it on Tabletop Simulator. Yeah, yeah, 100% yeah, do that. Yeah. Um, so, Steve. I'm going to play it. Don't worry. You're going to pick it up this I'm week? Yeah, most likely. Okay. If we're recording normal time next week, then I uh, then I will, yeah. Yeah. Because I'm away this weekend and got to do Father's Day stuff as well. Right, right, yeah. So assuming we record regular time next week, you should have already bought it and started it. Yes, now. yes. If we record normal time next week, then yes. Okay. All right, gang. Let's hold them to it, okay? <laughs> now, if we, start, if we record on, like, fucking Wednesday or something next week, then no, I will not have played it by then. If we record early, it's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll accept that. However, you have to buy it still. I need, I need, I need screenshot of confirmed purchase downloaded on your goddamn Xbox. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Good. Good. I'm gonna see if I can see if I can get this for digital because I mean, I'm going all digital. Yeah, you can probably get a deal on it now. Yeah. Anyway, so we'll be back next week with Steve's Mass Effect impressions. So everybody get excited for that. Uh, and, you know, whatever else is going on in the world of gaming, we'll be here to break it down with you. So, of course, thank you for joining us here in another episode of the Podcast. If you want to uh, connect with us, we're at Lupas, wherever you get your social media. Head over to the Patreon for a buck. You can get access to After Dark, and you can see Steve drink some really old soda and uh, hear the story of my basement getting flooded and me cleaning and, it up in my underwear. We, yeah, you forgot the best bit. Like, what does Vin Diesel smell like? What does Vin Diesel smell like? We will answer that question and so much more on this week's After Dark. So make sure you go check it out. I got to say, high quality radio. So go check that out for just a buck. You can get access to that and every other episode of After Dark. Um, great library of content there. We love the show and we are, we are so happy to do it. Um, so go check it out. Uh, best way to show your support and get a little bit more loot pots in your RSS feed so go check that out and uh yeah again we'll be back ideally this thursday over on twitch.tv slash loopots we wanted to do uh our xbox indie demos stream so maybe we'll do that this week if i can still uh, get my hands on tunic by then um so yeah if not let us know what you'd like to see us play maybe we'll play some mario party maybe we'll, we'll you know we'll rope in some more of our friends and do some crazy stuff i, I think we should do some chat box or some some board games I'm honest. I could really. get down with that. I could get down with that. So you let us know. Uh, and, of course, if you want to get in touch to let us know, you can hit us up in the comments wherever you're watching this. You can come join the Discord where we have a ever-growing community of potheads just like you getting out there, talking about E3, sharing stuff together, trying to help each other find consoles, all kinds of good stuff. It's a great community, great place for you to be a part of. Uh, and come talk with me and Steve. Get your thoughts right on the air. It's a great time. Or you could write to me at Pete at Lupots.com. Um, because I still take emails because I'm a boomer, apparently. So, with that, I've been Pete. He's been Steve. We'll catch you next time for another episode of the podcast. Take it easy, everybody. <laughs>